Hello, this is Pete Beck III with thirdpeter.com. Welcome to today's podcast, which is part of my Discipleship Foundation series. This is chapter 38, entitled, Lord of My Relationships. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is a, quote, love-hate, end of quote, relationship. We are to love him so much that all other relationships take a back seat. Our Lord used hyperbole in the following verse to make his point. And I'm reading from Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's New American Standard Bible. Jesus does not advocate hating our family, but whenever there is a conflict of interest, we must come down on the side of God. Some of us have been or will be confronted with making a choice between pleasing a family member, friend, colleague, or some other important person in our lives, or Jesus. This is no small matter. We may suffer great loss and pain because of the choice we make. The early disciples faced such critical moments. One is recorded in Acts 5, verses 27 through 29, when the chief priests and Pharisees brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name, he demanded? Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. New Living Translation. When we choose God over family, friends, culture, and familiar, important places, institutions, and people, it pushes us into what some call a liminal space of uncertainty between what was and what is to come. Abraham chose God over his home, culture, friends, and what was familiar. During his journey to Canaan, he was in a liminal space. When he arrived at the promised land, he still had no place to call his own. Following the Lord can be like that, which requires us to find our security in God. Those with whom we relate impact our lives for good or bad. The opposite is also true. We impact others for good or bad. Therefore, every relationship we have should be submitted to the Lord. This means we should allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in our choice of friends. Proverbs twelve twenty six says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. New King James Version. And then 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, don't let anyone deceive you Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. That's from God's Word translation. This 
does not mean that we should cease to relate to ungodly people who need to know the Lord. But we should be careful because our friends can influence what we believe and value. Jesus prayed all night before choosing the 12 apostles whom would be closest to him. He powerfully influenced them over the next three years as he prepared them to be leaders in fulfilling the Great Commission. Conversely, the disciples did not understand Jesus' mission to give his life as the Lamb of God. Peter even tried to dissuade him from going to the cross, which provoked our Lord to rebuke him sternly. And this is found in Matthew 16, 21 through 26. We must be aware that people we love may attempt to sway us from obedience to God out of their concern for us. They may not understand God's call on our lives and try to dissuade us from taking a course of action that seems not to be in our own best interest. These well-intentioned people sometimes simply fail to understand what Jesus values. They do not grasp that, our, that Jesus is worth any sacrifice we may make. Nothing spent on him is ever ill-advised. When the woman poured the expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, one of the disciples declared it was a waste of money but her act has been forever memorialized in scripture as well as the failure of that disciple to see Jesus's immense worth. Let's be among those who are willing to give away what men treasure in service to God despite the naysayers. Jesus had to reject Peter's counsel to spare himself a horrible death to follow his father's will and save us. When this sort of thing happens, it is never an excuse for us to be rude or impatient. Rather, we do well if we manage to show love and respect to those whose counsel we reject and try to explain to them as best we can why we must pursue obedience to the Lord. Jesus' rebuke of Peter was done out of love for him and to properly distance himself from a very real temptation. Plenty of God's servants have been led off course by those they love. An Old Testament prophet was influenced to disobey God's direct orders by another older prophet. This is found in 1 Kings 13, 11 through 26. Perhaps the younger one listened to that older prophet out of respect, or maybe he secretly did not want to have to do what God said, and this was a perfect excuse. Whatever the reason, this prophet was put to death because he allowed a friend to get him off course. I'm not suggesting that God will kill us if we allow someone to get us off course, but we may indeed suffer great loss because of our disobedience. Let us be led by God's Spirit in everything we do. We are wise to rely upon the Lord 
when it comes to choosing a spouse, which is the most influential relationship we will ever have. People choose mates for all sorts of reasons, love, companionship, security, beauty, sexual attraction, financial interests, social advancement, etc. In the world, people often choose partners who will aid them in their career advancement and the pursuit of personal goals. Finding a like-minded person is important. For a disciple, one of the most critical factors in choosing a spouse is for him or her to have the same vision and commitment to the Lord as we have. We would be very unwise to marry anyone who is going to distract us from God's purpose and our commitment to serve Jesus. On the other hand, we don't want to become so spiritual that we neglect the human side of the equation either. I believe God wants us to marry someone whom we genuinely love and respect, to whom we're attracted, who has similar values and goals, and who shares our passion and commitment to the Lord and his kingdom. This necessarily eliminates non-Christians from consideration in marriage. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? New Living Translation in 1 Corinthians 7.39 says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. New Living Translation. When it comes to choosing a spouse, probably the most important of all our relationships, disciples understand the value of seeking good counsel. It is not always wise to rely solely on our own feelings and judgment in such an important matter. When our hormones kick in, sometimes good judgment falls to the wayside. This does not mean we allow someone else to decide for us, but it is important to listen and weigh what others say. If those we trust, especially our parents and siblings, are uneasy about our choice, it should give us pause to consider. The best scenario is when all concerned are positive with our choice, and give it their blessing. Another way we allow Jesus to be Lord of our relationships is to maintain them his way. And this means we make the choice to apply kingdom principles to our relationships. God expects us to forgive readily and not harbor offenses. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. This often requires us to talk openly about difficult matters instead of burying our feelings and hurts. Paul called it speaking the truth in love, which requires honesty, self-control, courage, and love. Ephesians 4, 14, and 15 addresses this need to speak the truth in love. Matthew 18 tells us how to handle these situations, and that is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. And I won't read that. I'll leave that up to you. I believe one of the most prevalent sins in the body of Christ is the failure to properly resolve relational offenses. The problem may stem from our dislike 
or confronting others and the high probability that we will be likewise confronted in the process, revealing our own sinful attitudes and behavior. Sometimes we're afraid of being hurt all over again. Nevertheless, if we're committed to being disciples, we will allow Jesus to rule in this area of our lives too. A final way we allow Jesus to be Lord of our relationships is in the church. The Lord often brings together people from different cultural, racial, socioeconomic, and other backgrounds into a local church. Many church members may be those with whom we would not ordinarily associate. However, if Jesus is our Lord and God is our Father, then a church is a family. We love and relate to family members regardless of any perceived affinities. Sometimes God places people in our lives to help us grow in this area. If Jesus is Lord of our relationships, we will relate to those whom he puts in our lives and learn to love and appreciate them. Jesus wants us to lay down our own selfish agendas to be kingdom people who can show the world what real Christianity looks like. This is a tall order. But whoever said serving Jesus was easy. Thank you for listening.